The Fourth Mansions, Chapter 2 of The Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording, read by Chris McGregor. The Interior Castle, or the Mansions, by St. Teresa of Avila, translated by the Benedictines of Stanbrook. God help me. How I have wandered from my subject. I forget what I was speaking about, for my occupations and ill health often force me to cease writing until some more suitable time. The sense will be very disconnected, as my memory is extremely bad, and I have no time to read over what is written. Even what I really understand is expressed very vaguely. At least so I fear. I think I said that the spiritual consolations are occasionally connected with the passions. These feelings of devotion produce fits of sobbing. I have even heard that sometimes they cause a compression of the chest and uncontrollable exterior motions violent enough to cause bleeding at the nose and other painful effects. I can say nothing about this, never having experienced anything of the kind myself, but there appears some cause for comfort in it. Because, as I said, all ends in the desire to please God and to enjoy His presence. What I call divine consolations, or have termed elsewhere the prayer of quiet, is a very different thing, as those will understand who, by the mercy of God, have experienced them. To make the matter clear, let us imagine we see two fountains with basins which fill with water. I can find no simile more appropriate than water by which to explain spiritual things, as I am very ignorant and have poor wits to help me. Besides, I love this element so much that I have studied it more attentively than other things. God, who is so great and so wise, has doubtless hidden secrets in all things he created, which we should greatly benefit by knowing, as those say who understand such matters. Indeed. I believe that in each smallest creature he has made, though it be but a tiny ant, there are more wonders than can be comprehended. These two basins are filled in different ways, the one with water from a distance flowing into it through many pipes and waterworks, while the other basin is built near the source of the spring itself and fills quite noiselessly. If the fountain is plentiful, like the one we speak of, after the basin is full, the water overflows in a great stream which flows continually. No machinery is needed here, nor does the water run through aqueducts. Such is the difference between the two kinds of prayer. The water running through the aqueducts resembles sensible devotion, which is obtained by meditation. We gain it by our thoughts, by meditating on created things, and by the labor of our minds. In short, it is the result of our endeavors, and so makes the commotion I spoke of while profiting the soul. The other fountain, like divine consolations, receives the water from the source itself, which signifies God. As usual, when His Majesty wills to bestow on us any spiritual favors, we experience the greatest peace, calm, and sweetness in the depths of our being. I know neither where nor how. This joy is not 
like earthly happiness, at once felt by the heart. After gradually filling it to the brim, the delight overflows throughout all the mansions and faculties, until at last it reaches the body. Therefore, I say it arises from God and ends in ourselves, for whoever experiences it will find that the whole physical part of our nature shares in this delight and sweetness. While writing this, I've been thinking that the verse Delatosti Cormium, Thou hast dilated my heart, declares that the heart is dilated. This joy does not appear to me to originate in the heart, but in some interior part, and as it were, in the depths of our being. I think this must be the center of the soul, as I have since learned and will explain later on, which often filled me with astonishment. How many more must there be unknown to me? Oh, my Lord and my God, how stupendous is thy grandeur! We are like so many foolish peasant lads. We think we know something of thee, yet it must be comparatively nothing, for there are profound secrets even in ourselves of which we know not. I say comparatively nothing, in proportion with all the secrets hidden within thee. How great are thy mysteries that we are acquainted with, and can learn even by the study of such of thy works as we see. To return to the verse I quoted, which may help to explain the dilation begun by the celestial waters in the depths of our being. They appear to dilate and enlarge us internally and benefit us in an inexplicable manner, nor does even the soul itself understand what it receives. It is conscious of what may be described as a certain fragrance, as if within its inmost depths were a brazier sprinkled with sweet perfumes. Although the spirit neither sees the flame nor knows where it is, yet it is penetrated by the warmth and scented fumes, which are even sometimes perceived by the body. Understand me, the soul does not feel any real heat or scent, but something far more subtle, which I use this metaphor to explain. Let those who have never experienced it believe that it really occurs to others. The soul is conscious of it and feels it more distinctly than can be expressed. It is not a thing we can fancy or gain by anything we can do. Clearly, it does not arise from the base coin of human nature, but from the most pure gold of divine wisdom. I believe that in this case, the powers of the soul are not united to God, but are absorbed and astounded at the marvel before them. I may possibly be contradicting what I wrote elsewhere, nor would this be surprising, for it was done about fifteen years ago, and perhaps God has given me since then a clear insight into the matter. I may be entirely mistaken on the subject, both then and now, but never do I willfully say what is untrue. No, by the mercy of God I would rather die a thousand times than to tell a falsehood. I speak of the matter as I understand it. I believe that in this case, the will must in some way be united with that of God. The after effects of the soul and the subsequent behavior of the person show whether this prayer was genuine or no. This is the best crucible by which to test it. Our Lord bestows a signal grace on the soul if it realizes how great this favor and another greater still if it does not turn back on the right road. 
You are longing, my daughters, to enter into the state of prayer at once. And you are right, for, as I said, the soul cannot understand the value of the graces there bestowed by God upon it, nor the love which draws him ever closer to it. We should certainly desire to learn how to obtain this favor, and I will tell you what I know about it, setting aside certain cases in which God bestows these graces for no other reason than his own choice, into which we have no right to inquire. Practice what I advised in the preceding mansions. Then, humility. Humility. For God lets himself be vanquished by this and grants us all we ask. The first proof that you possess humility is that you neither think you now deserve these graces and consolations from God, nor that you ever will as long as you live. You ask me, how shall we receive them if we do not try to gain them? I answer that there is no surer way to obtain them than the one I have told you. Therefore, make no efforts to acquire them for the following reasons. The first is that the chief means of obtaining them is to love God without self-interest. The second, that it is a slight lack of humility to think that our wretched services can win so great a favor. The third, that the real preparation for them is to desire to suffer and imitate our Lord rather than to receive consolations, for indeed we have all offended him. The fourth reason is that his majesty has not promised to give us these favors in the same ways he has bound himself to bestow eternal glory on us if we keep his commandments. We can be saved without these special graces. He sees better than we do what is best for us and which of us love him sincerely. I know this for a certain truth, being acquainted with some who walk by the way of love and therefore only seek to serve Jesus crucified, that they neither ask for nor desire consolation, but they even beg him not to give it to them during this life. This is a fact. Fifthly, we should but labor in vain. This water does not flow through aqueducts, like that we first spoke of. And if the spring does not afford it, in vain shall we toil to obtain it. I mean that, though we may meditate and try our hardest, and though we shed tears to gain it, we cannot make this water flow. God alone gives it to whom he chooses, and often when the soul is least thinking of it. We are his, sisters. Let him do what he will with us, and lead us where he will. If we are really humble and alienate ourselves, not only in our imagination, which often deceives us, but if we truly detach ourselves from all things, our Lord will not only grant us these favors, but many others that we do not even know how to desire. May he be forever praised and blessed. Amen.